Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Well, COVID-19 has made the future increasingly uncertain for all of us. But for our young people, this is happening amidst a barrage of other uncertainties as well. According to the latest available National Youth Survey, future uncertainty ranked as the biggest source of stress. Understandably, right? And the rising cost of housing combined with the various changes happening in the country, all of these things have made many of today's youth feel like they won't be able to afford what was considered normal by previous generations. There's also the uncertainty of decreasing job security. And this is when you take the situation in your own hands and decide what you want to do with your own future. So some are exploring other options including remote work from overseas, which might be more affordable and also provide that work-life balance that we're all looking to achieve. Mm. And according to Forbes, by 2025, some studies estimate that a whopping nearly 36 million Americans or 22% of their workforce will be remote workers. Thanks to the pandemic, more people are choosing to embrace a location-independent tech-enabled lifestyle that would allow them to work and travel remotely as well. And a 30-year-old Singaporean has decided to join this rising global trend, becoming a digital nomad. He's joining us now, Gabriel Wong, CEO of Ascend Marketing. Congratulations, Gabriel Wong, for taking this on, the working from uh, overseas stint, that is, and also for your second child. So this is the plus one that we're talking about. Uh, Gabriel, what made you want to move to Bali for good? Thanks for having me on the show. And um, the, the main reason why I want to move is actually very simple. As a business owner, I have this fear ever since I was young that even if I were to do well, I'm very conscious to not end up like a 50-year-old, a rich 50-year-old uncle who is <laughs> out of shape and facing midlife crisis because he sacrificed everything to get well, only then to mm. realize that he lost all the precious time with his family and kids. And now his kids don't want to spend time with him. So, so that's definitely one of the main reasons, uh, but definitely because the cost of living has went up significantly in Singapore. Right. And it's starting to feel like an endless chase to keep up. Yes. And I wanted to go somewhere where I could slow down to really enjoy the simple things in life, like spending more time with my wife, my daughter, before she grows up especially, and instead of just running and chasing uh, more material wealth and running the rat race. Mm. But here's the thing, Gabriel, you are a business owner, so you have the freedom to make that choice. Those of us who work for other people will first have to ask the boss, boss, are you okay with me working remotely? Would it be okay if I went to Bali and, you know, just a few hours away or you can call me any time? The time difference is what, one or two hours, you know, that sort of thing. You'll have to have that conversation with your bosses in order to be able to do this. And considering that many companies in Singapore especially have asked their staff to come back to work in the office, I wonder how realistic this would be for most Singaporeans. So even before COVID-19, we have already explored doing remote working because when we actually search around online and especially in other countries, a lot of companies are already adopting sort of like a remote working kind of uh, uh, arrangement. And of course, COVID-19 just better, uh, just kind of like speed up the entire thing. Uh, I really do believe that you have the opportunity to choose what kind of companies you want to live in mm. and uh, you want to work in. And, and of, of course, you can choose the culture you want. Uh, mm-hmm. I do believe that as a business owner myself, that more companies would adapt some kind of remote working, some kind of hybrid, because it is also a way to attract talent. Like for us, we are 100% online. And, you know, my staff love it because... Um, 
they can basically work from anywhere and they can save money on travels and stuff like that. Um, and we have actually adopted this policy that they could actually work overseas if they want to, mm-hmm. as long as they are able to still perform and get results, you know, for to, to achieve the results for whatever KPI that, they have, that we have set for them. So I, I think it's just more like a performance-based rather than like you having to come to the office for eight hours. And mm-hmm. let's be real here. Not everyone goes to office for eight hours <laughs> is spending eight hours of productive Exactly. Time. And you, you brought up a good point there, uh, Gabriel, about a performance-based uh, evaluation for staff. Like, if you can deliver what you're supposed to deliver at the right time or on time, it should be okay. But this will require a mindset change, especially to that 50-year-old uncle that you're talking about who might be your boss, uh, who would like to see their workers eight hours a day in the office looking at their computer every minute because that's what you're getting paid for, right? How do we change that mindset? I guess it's a lot of conversation that has to be done, a lot of negotiation. Um, I think even when as employee, we need to learn how to we need to learn how to negotiate. We need to learn how to communicate with our bosses. We, mm. need, we need to learn how to lead upwards. And this is a hard conversation that people need to have. And definitely one of it is that hey, if I'm for example, if I'm an employee and and you are my boss, right? And I come to you and I say, hey, you know what? You shouldn't punish me for being a good worker, right? You shouldn't mm-hmm. punish me for doing a good job because what I'm actually getting is that I have to spend eight hours here and if I can get what you want in four hours, my reward is more work. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> the classic problem. That, exactly, right? And that isn't the best way to attract talent for your company. If mm. you really want, you know, talented people to come here to work to give you results, um, then you have to be able to adapt a different policy, right? So I, I guess a conversation of asking the boss questions like, what do you actually want? Do you want me to be here eight hours and not achieving anything for you? Or do you actually want me to provide results for you? But if I could get the results for you faster, shouldn't I be rewarded? Mm. You see, people have to remember that top-performing talent, top-performing professionals will leave if you don't treat them right. And they have options. So, yeah, you were right about the fact that people have options when it comes to choosing who they want to work for. And the people who are high performers will definitely make the right choices accordingly based on their own tastes and styles. But uh, what do you say to bosses who claim that, you know, with 100% remote work, we lose out on collaboration, we lose out on working together better? How do you bridge that gap with your employees? I do agree with that 100%. I feel that as a company that focuses on remote work, we have already saved up money from not having offices. Mm-hmm. So then those money could have been used to perhaps do like a retreat. So there are, there are actually some models of companies that do uh, a retreat every two months or three months. Okay. Like they are using the money they save from offices and they will do a retreat where they will gather all the entire team from different locations whatsoever to do the collaborative work that's needed. Uh, because collaborative work has pros and cons because if you're in a workplace and you're constantly bombarded by messages, you're constantly bombarded by uh, people being able to reach out to you, you're not able to enter this thing called deep work. You're not able to really do productive work when you're constantly being distracted. Yep. And there are science and research that, that, has, that has proven that. We, we can't multitask and be effective. Some work requires flow, right? You have to be in the flow and you don't want yeah. that to be disrupted too many times. Yes, and that's very hard if someone can just reach out to you and say, and ask you for five minutes. And a lot of times, the five minutes is not five minutes. Hmm. 
All right, let's talk about your uh, your plans to move to Bali. What are I mean? Do you foresee any challenges ahead, culture wise, or you know, bringing up your children or your 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 soon to be born uh, child as well? Um, I guess the biggest challenge in Bali is always the traffic. But <laughs> since <laughs> since everything is remote, uh, it doesn't seem to be a big problem for us when we were doing a one month trial over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there might be new challenges that I don't foresee. So we'll see about that. But the other thing about the culture side of things, I think, you know, we actually enjoy the culture there. Okay. Uh, like I said, life is much simpler. Mm-hmm. People are less concerned with material wealth. Mm. Uh, even when we are going out for dinner with friends, it doesn't seem like people care about what they wear. Everyone's in tank top, tank tops and, <laughs> and t-shirts, right? That sounds and like it doesn't a good place feel like to be. <laughs> there's a need for us. doesn't feel like there's a need for us to dress to impress mm. and hardly anybody wear branded goods. And, so I think that's really like a big relief for us and because like in Singapore, like, you know, people would, it's such a competitive culture that we need we, uh, we, to show that we are doing well. And so, you know, people tend to buy things that they don't like with money. They don't have to impress people. They don't, they don't care. And I just think that life is just much more than big house, big car, big bank account, which seems to be the focus of Singapore culture. So, mm. you know, it might be a good one for us and our little ones, you know, because if you want to instill them with the right values and what to focus on in life. What about the practical stuff, though? Because one of my concerns, as I'm thinking about where to go and live and work, is yep. the quality of the Wi-Fi, for instance, and the cost yeah. of the Wi-Fi. So talk to me about some of the other practical considerations that you had to iron out before leaving. I guess the other two things, uh, first of all, definitely work, right? Which is what you mentioned, Wi-Fi. Mm. Can I actually still do my meetings on Zoom? Can I actually still do or run a webinar if I want to, right? Because mm-hmm. as a digital marketing agency, sometimes we run two hours long webinar, three hours webinar. And uh, during my one month trial, it didn't seem to be a big problem there. There is a huge community of digital nomads, of people working online there. And so it seems like they have the infrastructure to support that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Good for yeah, you yeah. then, because, uh, you know, for some people, especially moving to a different different country, I experienced this myself when I was wor- working remotely from Uzbekistan, you know, the, we were using DSL yeah. as, as mm-hmm. connection. And every time I tried to connect, we would get cut off at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were actually considering doing the show live together, mm-hmm. but because of the Wi-Fi issue, we couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess it's good to like, at least do your research to find out, is there a place where there is a huge community of remote workers and digital nomads Mm -hmm. because if there is a community, usually there will be infrastructure to support that. Mm. What about the family though, Gabriel? Because the other big consideration I know parents have is education. So how how Uh, are you managing all of that? And of course, socialization as well, the cultural norms, social norms that would be different and then, yeah, the quality of education. Yeah, so absolutely. I think it's recognized that Singapore is one of the best places to educate your, your children. But I believe it's a lot to do with like on the academic side of things. Like, there's a huge emphasis on academic results and scoring well in exams. So I, I don't really quite agree with that methodology. And, and that's the reason why actually for my wife and I, we've also considered doing homeschooling even before we wanted to move out of Singapore. Uh, because we feel that it's, you know, life is just more, much more than just scoring well in exams. And um, when we actually went to Bali and we, we searched up on the different schools, and preschools that's available there, we realized that there's actually very good international schools there that focuses more than just the academic side of things, such as teaching kids about critical thinking, right. problem solving, right, social skills, which I think, once again, is far more important. Practical um, and again, skills. Yes, practical skill, skill set, exactly. 
Well, if you're wondering why we're talking with Gabriel Wong, it's because he is going to be a uh, digital nomad in Bali, giving this a try as CEO of Ascend Marketing. He is not doing it by himself. He is moving with his entire family. So, uh, Gabriel, both um, Bharati and I are thinking of doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I tried doing the same thing. It, you know, a little bit challenging to start, but you get the hang of it. But what will your advice be for everyone else who is thinking of doing the same thing? I guess everything there's always a trade-off. It's just whether the trade-off is worth it or not. Okay, thinking uh, about, thinking about it, that, that, you know, we come from here in Singapore where everything is so efficient mm. and everything works and then we're going to relocate somewhere else where things might not always work. Yeah, exactly. Because there's always a trade-off, right? But for me, I'm just very intentional about it. I know that this is a season where I just want to spend more time with my family. Uh, I also get to save at least uh, two-thirds of what I would spend in Singapore. Right. Like what I spend there in one month is only one-third of what I spend in Singapore. And that would also accelerate my path to retirement or financial freedom because I could use that money and invest it and compile it a lot faster than if I were to stay in Singapore. So it could be just a temporary thing. You're, just, you're not staying mm-hmm. there permanently for like forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I could come back in five years, right? But at least I have that five years to save up the money to compile it. But at the end of the day, right, I think at a, you just got to try it out. Mm. You talk about it as a trial, right? So have you yep. bought property there? Have you bought land there? Or are you just renting? What is the deal there? Yeah, so I guess it's always like one step at a time. Like for us, uh, we are going to be renting. Mm. Okay. And if we rent it for like, let's say a year and we really love it, then we buy, right? So we don't make a decision that we regret, mm. uh, you know, buying a place and then realize that, okay, this is not for us. So mm. I guess it's always making it sort of like a progression where you try out first, you test it out um, maybe for a month, or a quarter. And then if you don't like it, you can always come back. Mm. The thing is, nomads move from place to place, right? So I've got a friend who spends a few months in one country and then moves to another one and then another one. And that's how she defines her nomadic lifestyle. Uh, What about you? Any plans for which destination is next? Or are you just sticking with this one for now? Um, We're sticking to Bali for now. We might be considering Thailand. We have explored different locations, including Malaysia, mm. but we just seem to like the vibe of Bali and the culture a lot more than the other places. Well, all the best to you, Gabriel, and for your new baby, soon to be born as well. And uh, you know what? The thing is, if you're not going to do it now, then when are you going to do it? By the way, that 50-year-old uncle you're talking about <laughs> is the one talking to you right now. That is me, and I'm doing the same thing. So <laughs> so not all 50-year-old uncles are uncles, okay? <laughs> I, well, I hope that you're not out of shape and you are not um, facing a midlife crisis then. <laughs> oh, been there, done that, and I'm doing something about it. Anyway, Gabriel, thank Thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Gabriel Wong is a CEO of Ascend Marketing and going to be a digital nomad in Bali. Let that story inspire you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.